It's an amazing thing, isn't it, when the, uh, the kids all head out to their divisions. Um, it's like all the noise and energy just sort of goes, vacuums out as well. But hopefully you're going to hang in there with me this morning. Before, uh, before I start, I'd invite you just to close your eyes as I pray. And I want to share something about something that's been on my heart, and I want to share it with you this morning. Lord God in heaven, we thank you that we can be here today. We thank you we are here to worship you, get to know you a little bit better, um, be encouraged uh, in our journey. And uh, we thank you that your spirit is in this place. Amen. It's so nice uh, to be here with you, but I sort of pinched myself a little bit because if we'd been out at Camp Somerset, having nice to be out here today, the only problem would have been is that we would have needed the SES to get us in there. Uh, some of you would have been watching the pictures, and I have to say, it's great to have... I on the phone to Lukey, I thought I'd better check to see how he was going, just because I saw the pictures from... This is a great way to get involved in a flood. You take your kids to Avondale. Isn't that, is Sarah, that's right, isn't it, Sarah Neil? You take your kids to Avondale, you leave a bloke with a broken arm with his younger brother... Lucky Lockie was there too. And you leave the property and say, got to go. And uh, last Saturday, we kept getting pictures of the level in your yard going up and up. And then I thought, I should ring Luke. Good to have you here, Luke. Just to see how he was going. Because I knew you live in the same sort of area. And Luke is upstairs and he goes, jump on. Uh, to I, I was looking at the pictures and Luke's like, another inch or two and this water's in our house. And... Uh, Praise God, mate, it didn't quite, didn't quite creep over that spot. Um, the Lord, but the Lord looks after us, but also we look at a lot of our church members, a lot of our friends, a lot of our churches have been completely inundated. Uh, I have friends down at Mullumbimby Church, Mwollumbar Church, and they've had water through everything in their church. Um, if you're lucky enough to jump on their, on their uh, Facebook, have a look. And they'll actually, they've got like a slow-mo as they're actually cleaning the church. They're actually worshipping today at Mullenbar Church on concrete because everything else has been thrown out. And uh, one of the pastor's kids is actually getting baptised here today. Uh, so <laughs> there's not a shortage of water. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's just crazy. We've had, I know Pastor Dave's here today from up in Toowoomba. Good to have you and Donna and family here, Dave. I know that you guys went with Pastor Christos and a team up to Gympie this week. And uh, our pastor at Gympie, Pastor Steve Hebbard, poor fella, he, he, um, they're in between houses living in a caravan, lost everything that they had. Um, fortunately, um, I guess it's always fortunate, no one was hurt. Um, but their accommodation is just gone. And uh, it's good that you guys got to go over there and do that, Dave, with Christos and Ricky and a few of the crew. We can't go past that because for each one of us, last weekend, um, it was probably mixed with when will this ever stop uh, to the point of what sort of damage. Um, but today, and um, I'm glad that you are here. I want to share with you today about something that I've found really important in my walk with God. And there is a book called Sticky Church. And the idea of, in that book is that we as Christians become so contagious that we don't need to be 
proclaiming and bashing people with the word of God, but in our actions, we become sticky for Christ. But the model of that sticky church is found in God and God alone. We look in the New Testament in those first four books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there could be no better description of our Jesus than him being a sticky God. Because everywhere he went, people were attracted, not because he needed to be the best speaker or have the best band or even on a day like this, the best air conditioning, um, but because he went and he met people where they were at. I want to share a, a little illustration with you this morning. It happened to Cara and myself and uh, Cara's dad, Graham, or as we call him, granddad, and, and I, I was doing a study with a guy, and at our church down at Gold Coast, I don't know what it was, but it was like every mother in about 1950 must have named their sons John, because I had 10 Johns in a church at the time of about 150. And uh, if Johns weren't there, we noticed it. It was a whole group that was missing from our church. And a gentleman rang me up, and he, he grew up in Gloucester. Sorry, I better get it right. He grew up in Scotland, and he had this accent that was just so rich, even though he'd lived in Australia since he was nine, and he was in his mid to late 60s. I still struggled to know what he was talking about. And uh, that was my excuse in our relationship with John. And I started studying with John. And John had a history in his Seventh-day Adventist lady and had married her. And she tragically died of cancer. And John was so angry that he put all of his energy into making money and spending money. And John had wasted a whole truckload of money, and he made a whole truckload of money, but he'd come to a point in his life where he'd taken his hands off the wheel, and he'd lost everything in the global financial crisis. John had the largest plumbing supply company in Queensland. He had 21 stores, and he was at that point in life where it was not out of the question for him to go on a 50 or 60-day uh, cruise on the QE2, and that was just in his budget. But because he took his hands off the wheel, he lost focus of what was happening in his company, and he lost focus about what was happening in his life. And here I was studying the Word of God with John, and John, he was, he was allowing God to be part of him, and, and his wife at the time was at the other end of the spectrum. She was like almost cursing the fact that I was there studying the Word of God with John. She wanted, she wanted to throw things at him, especially from her tongue, because she was used to this really wealthy lifestyle. Now it was all gone. Now living in a rental, and he was going through bankruptcy. And I sat there with John, and we just opened the word of God. And in the, the next six months, he would lose his marriage, he'd lose his house, he would lose all of his wealth, his business, he'd lose his Jaguar, which he quite liked. Um, He'd lose his furniture, which was worth way more than what you should pay for furniture. Um, and and he'd, he'd, he'd realized that if he maxed out his credit cards before, before bankruptcy, I don't understand this whole bankruptcy thing, but if he maxed it out, and he maxed it out on baked beans um, and salmon in a can, 
And he had, and we just spent time with this broken man. Did we need to preach to John? No. Did we need to be there? One hundred percent. Today, John, yeah, he's still around. <laughs> Still lawn bowls, still hardly understand word that comes out of his mouth. He's a cheeky fella. But he is our adopted grandparent for our kids. He lost his family, but we're part of his family. And when we look at this concept of being sticky for God, what happened for Cara and myself and our three kids with John is what God asks us to do when it comes to getting to know Jesus. How do we do it? There are three things that I just want to briefly touch on, and we won't go into it hugely today. But the first thing is sharing Jesus requires a heart of love. Even today, when we go down to the Gold Coast, we'll we'll go and see some of our close friends, family, and we always try to make time to go and see John and his new wife, Belle. Because... The Bible tells us that Jesus, sharing Jesus requires a heart of love. You don't do it because you have to. You don't do it because you think you get a tick in the box, and that's what a Christian should look like. You actually do it because it's actually part of who we are as human beings. The second thing that we'll look at is sharing Jesus is not a system or a program. And, uh, well, I quite like that one because as an Adventist pastor... There's always some slick new program or system that they want us to uh, share the faith with our congregations. And the last point is sticky Christians prioritise prayer. And I want to share a story. So if you go to sleep in the first two points, I hope you don't, but if you did, uh, wake up when you see the little green bird on the screen. What colour is the green bird, Jared? Yeah, green. And it's a bird. (laughs) Just check it. Sharing Jesus doesn't always come naturally to human beings. I know that. I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist home, went to an Adventist school, a little bit like North Pine, and I can tell you that when I finished school, there was a lot of questions that I still had about God, truckloads of them. I wanted to explore not just the things my parents said I shouldn't do, but I needed to explore what life looked like. And when it comes to Sharing Jesus, it's like that. It's dynamic. It is allowed to just be something that comes out of your heart and happens for people. There's no, there's no set way that you need to share the love with other people. Being an influencer for Christ is a responsibility that each one of us have. Whether you've only just met him, or whether you've been in a walk with him for a long time, or perhaps you're in that searching mode yourself, the reality is being an influencer for Christ isn't about how much you know about the Bible. Being an influencer for Christ is about what we do with it. I love the fact that um, Mwollombar Church today, (laughs) I really like it. They're meeting on their concrete floors and doing the baptism. But as soon as they finish church, They're all in their old clothes and they're going out into the community for the day. That's what it means to share from a heart of love. You just do. And being an influencer for Christ is an absolute honour 
for each one of us. In the New Testament, there is a story of a young man. But before we do that, I should share the big idea. I'd like us to get sticky in our Christian walk. Let's get sticky in our Christian walk. The first point that I want to look at is Jesus shared from requires a heart of love. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 10. So if you've got your phones or your Bibles, plenty of light in here today, open them up to Mark chapter 10. So if you can't find that one in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, it's an easy one, second book of the New Testament, Mark chapter 10. And it's a story about a rich young man, and it is preached a lot, but it's preached a lot, and today I want to emphasize the fact that this man had incredible opportunity to do something amazing for God. Now, he lacked something in the story, we'll pick that up, but I want to read the story to you. It starts in verse 17 of Mark 10. As Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. He knelt down and he asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Now, that's one of the best questions that is asked in the entire Bible. What must I do to get eternal life? Jesus replies, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question... You know the commandments, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honour your mother and your father. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all of these teachings since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt what? Now, in my version, it used the word genuine. Does anyone have a different different word that's used? Just just, um, maybe not yell it out, but... With a strong voice, what does your version say? I loved. Jesus' heart went out. This tender love. There is something happening between Jesus and this young man. It it doesn't come from a heart of fear. It doesn't come from a heart that's angry towards this young man. It comes from a position where Jesus' heart goes out to this young man. Jesus wants to be intimate with this young man. This young man's come with a good question. And this young man has shared and testified that since he was young, he's followed the directions and guidance of the Ten Commandments, the laws of God. But then... Jesus turns to him in verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done. It's always a kicker, isn't it? There's always that one thing. There's always that one boss, that one person, perhaps your wife or your husband, and and you've done an incredible job, but they come back and go, there's still that one thing you've forgotten. Can anyone testify with me? Put your hands up if that's ever happened to you. Okay, it's happened to me many times. Um, but there's that one thing, and, and here it says, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now, this young man would have made an incredible disciple, an incredible influencer in his community. Because the people around him looked and knew that this young man was genuine 
And this young man, so to speak, had it together. And yet the heart of God knew that there was just one thing lacking for this young man, this rich young man. Go sell all the possessions that you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, then come follow me. Verse 22 needs the pause. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 28, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But not with God, because in God, everything is possible. As I sat at John's table, studying the word of God with him, he had moved from being a very rich man to a very poor man over a period of about six months. And during that six months, he began to question everything in his life. His foundations for happiness were questioned and rattled and broken free. His relationship with his wife, which had been founded on point A, wealth, was now gone and it was too rattling. John would lose everything that he had in his life, including his dog, um, but the reality was, he was searching for something more. Because the heart of love that our Jesus has says, I know your condition. I know the condition of human beings. Our God is sticky because sometimes when we're at our lowest and messiest, we need something to grasp hold of that's actually going to pull us in, not pull us away. A rich young ruler asked Jesus what he needs in order to inherit eternal life. We too need to ask those good questions. Sharing Jesus, uh, the next point we'll go to, sharing Jesus is not a system or a program. Adventist tradition. And if you don't know what that is, I'll share a little bit about it with you real fast. But sometimes within the Adventist tradition of the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and it still flows through our church a little bit today, it's about that next big program, that next big harvest program that's going to reap people in our community. But the reality of those programs is they are just a program and a system. There's nothing wrong with them per se, but the real way to be an influencer for Jesus is to say, Put the program away and become real with the people in your community. Become real with your neighbor. Become real with the person you work with. Become real with the person you sit in class at school next to. Become real. Sharing Jesus is not a system or a program. And that is why when you read the New Testament, Jesus only preached a few sermons. 
There weren't too many. But he used a lot of healing, a lot of guidance, and a lot of care. And if we too are to follow the way of God, we too need to be available to the fact it's not about running a fancy program. It's about just being real to the people around us. One of my favorite passages, and we're going to look at it, it's found in Matthew 22. So if you've got your phone, grab it again. You can read your version. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. And it's really 37 to 39, the most important, but 40 will round it up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, with all your, with all your mouth. Used to be mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when I read this passage, I was thinking to myself, I love this passage because it actually gives me a direction on how I am to walk and how I'm to live in my Christian walk. Because it's it's not based on me. It's based on point one about having that love in our heart. And the whole idea is to love the Lord, with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. The incredible power of this verse is it doesn't just teach us that the loving our God thing is really significant. With all your heart, mind, and soul, there's nothing left out of it. But the other important fact of it is the fact that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Without being able to love yourself means you can't love your neighbor. Without being able to love your neighbor, you can't love yourself. Without being able to love God, you can't do the other two. You can't do the other two. The last aspect is about prayer. And I'm going to put a little picture up. I'm going to skip a little bit there. I want to show you a picture of a green bird. Band. This is a green Indian bird. Well, as close as I can come up to on the internet anyway. Um, yeah, it's got a bit of parrot in it. It's a cute little bird. Uh, but I want to tell you a story about a bird very similar to this. Cara and I, about a week ago, we had a mate over come visit us, and he's been just sort of helping us, give us a bit of guidance on, you know, some of the financial things that you need to do as you get older, apparently. So it was good. And we were sitting there, and, and our mate, he's pretty emotional. Uh, it's, it's quite cool to have a financial planner that cries when he comes to hang out with you. And, uh, but he's one of our friends. And I will ring him sometimes to give him pastoral care, not to ask him for advice, just because I want to love on him as well. Anyway, his name's Rod. And anyway, Rod, Rod's a classic, and he's sitting there, and he's, we're going through this plan I think it was only meant to take an hour, but four hours later, we were finished. We had a lot of fun with him. I don't know if we did that much financial planning. I think we just talked a lot. And Rod told us a story about this green bird. He's got a friend, not a client, a friend, who came to him and he'd lost during a storm. His little bird had got out. And his kids loved this green Indian bird. Absolutely love this little bird. And he came up to Rod and he said, how could God let this happen? And Rod's thinking there's a lot of bad things in this world, 
the green bird. Um, I guess you forgot to shut the door, <laughs> which they did. Um, but he was questioning. It's funny how sometimes the simple things in life. And Rod said to him, how important is this bird? And he said, my kids are at home crying because we forgot to shut the door. There was a storm and the bird flew out. And Rod thought, well, why don't we pray about it? And the guy's like, I don't even know if you've missed the point that I don't actually know God. (laughs) I'm sort of like at the other end of the spectrum. I don't know what you're talking about. Praying seems a bit random. And Rod said, well, how about I pray for the little green bird? And he was like, okay. It was one way to shut Rod down. You needed something. And, And Rod said, well, let's pray now. And Rod prayed for the green bird. And there are so many things in this world he could have prayed for. But at that point in time, in that family, it was the little green bird that needed to be the priority of Rod's prayers. So he prayed for the little green bird. And um, he sort of left thinking to himself, God, um, can you find that little green bird? Because we've sort of put it out there that this little green bird's probably more important in this guy's life than it should be. Um, But I need your help. And about a day later, um, his mate rang him up and he said, you won't believe it. And Rod said, you won't believe what? He'd forgotten about the green bird. And he said, about what? And he said, the green bird came home after a day out adventuring. He's come home and we've got him back in the cage. And Rod thought to himself, it seemed minor. But for him and for this non-believing family, it was extremely significant. One of the kids attends our school down at Avondale in primary school. And he came to his teacher the next day and he said to his teacher, we prayed, or this man prayed for our green bird and it came home. And he was, that little boy was so excited that God had answered his daddy's prayer. And he'd never seen his dad pray. In fact, I don't know if he's prayed yet. But Rod then had the opportunity to actually speak to the dad and say, what does that mean? Was it just a random act that the bird flew out, the bird came back? And the dad said to Rod, There's something about your prayer. That's the reason our bird came back. There is something about your prayer. Friends, I want to tell you that when we prioritize prayer, we prioritize God. When we want to be sticky Christians, we want to make sure that we too become a picture of who Jesus is. And that means we too need to be sticky Rod could have easily just gone, praying for a bird, like he left the door open. But he didn't. He stopped where he was and he prayed. When we take the time to prioritize prayer, incredibly, incredible things can happen. We can become incredibly sticky. Incredibly sticky. Tuesday night, we miraculously won two indoor cricket teams. Not Two games, sorry. Not because of Rick and myself. Pastor Rick and I 
we were terrible. I uh, want to testify that our legs are getting old, our knees are hurting, um, and they kept running us out. Two fat guys, it's not fair that they would always pick on us. But at the end of indoor cricket, thank goodness for the young guys who won the games for us, at the end of indoor cricket, um, Rick and Joy are looking for a house. Where should you pray at a time like that? My wife knows, because she said, Sean, let's pray for them now in the car park. I know these men in indoor cricket. They use different words than are used at church. <laughs> Unusual words. Very, very vibrant language. And, uh, and we stopped in the car park and we prayed for Rick and Joy to find a house. You know, that's what it means to be a sicky Christian. To put yourself out there and to do something for our God. What's the challenge for you and me? We too are like that rich young ruler. There are heaps of good questions that we might have and our Jesus is happy to answer. Sometimes he'll give us an answer we don't like. That doesn't mean we give up on it. It just means we're not quite there yet. There's no reason to say that the rich young ruler down the track didn't become converted and didn't completely change his priority system reason to say that. It was just at that time when he came to Jesus, he wasn't ready. I want to encourage each one of us today to be sticky in the communities we live in. Be sticky to the people who are sitting next to us, people we go to work with, because that's what Jesus requires. 